0: JPK, it's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone. Riley Jensen scheduled to join us here in a few minutes. Our football insider, at PK, we have a little time now to ponder: Is BYU that good? Is that offensive line going to push around every team they see? And I think the odds are the answer is yes. Anybody, any group can have an off game or whatever, but really. When you got this many guys with experience, eight former, eight, eight returning starters, and you got four guys the NFL is looking at, and the schedule's, you know, no power five teams on it, the schedule's watered down. That offensive line, that ought to set them up game in and game out.
1: Well, yeah, I'm not so much concerned about the experience as I am talent. Now, you combine the two. <laughs> You're in you business. Got, yeah, absolutely. You got to have talent. And it looks like that's what they've got. And so, yeah, By the the domination would lead you to indicate, uh, to think that, okay, this can continue. This is something that is not a fluke. You didn't need trick plays. You didn't need somebody who's not that good usually to get hot from three in the basketball parlance. You just lined it up, you hiked the ball, and you created holes. And you look at their schedule. I mean, they they got – Herbstreet and who's the other guy, Fowler? No, they were Reece, basically dis- Reese Davis. Is that who does it, Reese Davis? Uh, They're basically discussing that on television. When are they going to lose again?
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> well, some of it is, okay, Navy wasn't hitting, they weren't tackling, but I just can't put all of it on that. I mean, we, when you got NFL people telling you, hey, these four linemen are really good, we're looking at them. And then you got the quality of the schedule. I guess that the biggest, if they're not going to push everybody around, then there's a couple things. One, um, they get fat and happy, you know, and they just don't come out, don't bring the A game, just take it for granted that they're going to shove Army around, and then they don't. But I think they're going to have a huge size advantage again. I mean, the military academies, you know, typically they're just not going to have a bunch of 300-pound, 280-pound linemen. You know, there's a, this offensive line is going to have a huge size advantage.
1: So, well, I don't think anybody's going to take anything for granted this year. I think there's just the gratitude that you're playing. Yeah, that and was so Jeff Grimes' point when he
0: was on with us, right?
1: You the, know you have to adhere to the protocols. You have to be – you cannot get lazy in any aspect of your life if you want to continue to play football. And the whole team needs to do it. And each other needs to hold one another count, accountable. You can't have – you can't be going out. Basically, you got to stay. If you want this thing to work, you got to stay together. Yep.
0: All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 Zone. Time to welcome in our college football insider, Riley Jensen. And he joins us right now on their special guest line, which is brought to you by T-Mobile. The T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Riley, good morning. What's going on, guys? Uh, just sitting here thinking about BYU after they shove Navy around like that. Even a Navy team that hadn't been hitting, they're going to have a huge size <laughs> advantage on Army. Are they just going to do this game in and game out? Because I think the answer is more likely to be yes than no.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we talked last week. I mean, there was no game on the schedule that I thought that they shouldn't win, and I thought that every single game on the schedule they could win. Uh, I I think what was impressive about this win is that the offensive and defensive line of BYU was dominant, and when you look at Empy and you look at Herring and you see some of these old-time names, it's kind of fun to watch. I mean, you uh, there there were some plays that were really impressive to me. So there's, you know, there's kind of in, in football there's a zone blocking scheme and there's a man-to-man blocking scheme, but there was a few times when I was watching Empy snap the ball. Um, he's snapping the ball in shotgun and he's literally leaving the guy that's right over the top of him and reach blocking clear over to what's called a three technique, which is the outside shade of the guard. And he's getting in front of him and driving him downfield. And they're running, they're running plays like that. Look, if you can, if you can have your center pull and hit what they call a three technique, and it's about a six, seven foot, move right at the snap of the ball, get in front of him, and drive him backwards. I mean, you're going to be able to do a lot of things in the run game.
1: Yeah, I can recall in that
2: bowl game
1: two years ago when Zach Wilson did not throw an incomplete pass, the Western Michigan coach in the post game, I was up in Boise for the game, he literally took time out to single out Empey, the center. And I thought, okay, well, this guy was I mean I'm just watching the game. I'm not watching the interior line, but that guy did and he was just complimenting James big time something and uh and he's just a freshman at the time. This kid's a future NFL guy. And so you combine this experience with this talent and you got domination and in my mind there's no reason to think that this won't continue pretty much the
2: whole season. Yeah, I can't I can't really see I mean, look, there's always going to be matchups. There's always going to be schemes. There's always going to be things that people are throwing at you. And I I do feel like Navy was a little bit unprepared that way. I mean, you have to understand, uh, there was also some things in that game that were disturbing to me that I'd never seen out of a Navy game before. And I'm so glad that that Ken had, you know, Coach Ken Niamatololo had the, the vulnerability and the, the willingness to express that, like, some things happened that, that normally don't happen with Navy. But, I mean, there was there was at least three plays that I remember where from the nose guard all the way to the right side, there wasn't an, a, a defensive lineman at all. And so basically, like, offensive linemen for BYU were releasing all the way to linebackers, and they were running the ball that way. I mean, you just don't see a Navy team that's not lined up correctly. I mean, there, ha- there, there was three or four offensive penalties um, in the first half on their offense, just on delay of games or illegal shifts and that kind of stuff. And they're typically within the top two in the country of not being penalized. So there were things that were going on that that were not normal Navy. So I I don't know that every game is going to be 55 to three, but the point is well taken that on this offensive and defensive line, I mean, they're running full shifts on the defensive line. So it wasn't just like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to substitute in a couple of guys. I mean, they were bringing, you know, they're bringing in Lorenzo Fautea and three other guys as their second group and just running for like three, four plays in a row. And then it was like a full shift change. You know, it reminded me of hockey, right? It was like, okay, well, shift change. Everybody's off. Everybody's on. And if they can keep doing that, it doesn't really matter what people throw at them. And, and if they have enough confidence in their D-line and their O-line, like they showed on on uh, Monday night, it's it's going to be tough to win. And any coach that you've ever talked to, and, and I know that sometimes we complain that it's coach speak and all that kind of stuff, but when you, when you dominate on the offensive and defensive line, it's, it's really hard not to feel really good about your team. And I think you, know, you should feel really good about it. And for the people that are arguing, like, you know, and I, I tease a because last year he was like, well, it's just Toledo or. You know, something like that, and 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 I tease him and say, "Well, it was just Navy." So, if there's people out there saying that that are listening to this, yeah, it was. It was just Navy. But this is what the old time BYU teams did to Navy that that weren't prepared to play against them. They dominated. But the thing that you have to be excited about if you're a BYU fan is they dominated. In the run game, like I've never seen BYU dominate. I've never seen BYU dominate in the trenches. Even the great teams of old at BYU, they ran and they set up the pass with Peter Tui-Pelotu or with Matt Bellini, and they had these cool draw trap schemes and they had these these plays, but they weren't a dominant run team like they were on Monday night. And that 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 kind of makes me think that there's there's a lot to look forward to. And let's not take a, you know credit away from Pini. Pee- Katoa and some of these running backs. I mean, Katoa, I've been watching for a long time. He was much stronger and much faster than I've seen him. Zach Wilson's arm is healed up. It, there's definitely some zip on the ball that wasn't there last year. And so this this could be an interesting and fun season. And I, The thing that I and – I, and I know I'm talking for a long time here, but the thing that really makes me wonder or makes me kind of feel bad about this team is – I think there'll kind of always be an asterisk next to it because they'll be like, well, what could have been or, or what, what, what would have looked like if all teams would have been playing and they had their full schedule?
0: So P.K. and I both got here in the early 90s, and there was a tradition of BYU having really good offensive linemen. We, I heard all about Mo Elowinibi. Now, he was drafted in 1990, and I didn't get here for a couple more years, so I didn't see him playing college. Uh, you know, in person, I guess he would have been playing in a you know TV game I watched at some point. But over a dozen years, BYU had a dozen offensive linemen drafted. And then you get to about 2,000, and it just all stops. I mean, it just – there's occasionally uh, Dustin Reichert, um, Scott Young. It looks like there's two offensive linemen drafted in 20 years. So now they got four guys the NFL is looking at – what has changed? Why do they suddenly have such a good offensive line? And here's the question: Cougar fan really wants to know, is this sustainable? I mean, these guys will go off to the NFL. You got a couple juniors, a couple seniors, but are there more guys behind them? Is a pipeline being really established, or is this a one-off?
2: Well, I feel like if 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 all four of these guys are as good as advertised, and they end up going to the NFL, um, it. It really becomes a, a boon for recruiting. So even if there is a little bit of a dip off, which I kind of don't think there will be, because I really feel like offensive line play is a mentality. Um, even if there is a little bit of a dip off, then then you're going to see um, a, a, a whole slew of offensive linemen that are like, hey, if I can make it to the NFL from BYU, and you know, and that's not far away from where I live and my parents can come and watch me and I could still make my dreams come true by going to BYU, then then you're going to see, uh, you know, an uptick in draft picks and players that are playing. But right now there was, there was the thing that I love here, Here's the thing that I love. and This is where I think good coaching takes place is when you see players like James Empey improve from their freshman year, to their junior year or their senior year. And it's not like he wasn't good when he was a freshman, right? And, and I, that's what I look for when I see players go to BYU, uh, really any college, sorry, not just BYU is, is the player improving from his freshman year to his senior year. And I think for a little while there in some of the different places, I think there was NFL type talent at BYU this whole time. But the improvement didn't take place that you were looking for, that you're hoping for, and so it's fun to see James Embry play well. I love to see Hope improve his play. There's there's players all over the field that are doing that are doing great things, and so you know this offensive line and defensive line. I've always felt like that's where where BYU or excuse me, University of Utah has kind of really made their money and really understood what the Utah player can do, and I feel like Utah State, BYU, University of Utah, Weber State, I mean, right now, they they can make really, really good teams by, you know, the milk and potatoes kids of the state of Utah that are offensive and defensive linemen. There's lots of those type of kids here. Now, they don't have to recruit all of them from here, but there's a lot of really, really good offensive and defensive linemen in Utah.
1: So I was thinking about this, Riley. I've come around to your way of thinking. I think BYU would have beat Utah.
2: <laughs> totally. Totally. That's totally how I feel. Like there's no question. No, wait, I didn't say that last week, PK. I said that I'd be picking the University of Utah until BYU actually breaks through because I think that whole thing is a mental thing. I don't I think I don't think it has to do with players, but Man, I think this BYU team that played against Navy would have been ready, and I think University of Utah would have had their hands full, and it would have been, you know, one of those games where it comes down to the last two or three plays, um, and and that's the way the games have been anyway. It just seems that Utah has always been able to make that final play or final couple of plays to win it. Um, but you'll never know because it's that it's that asterisk that I was talking about. It's it's going to be tough. You know, I'm sure BYU fans, especially when they're the only team playing west of Texas, right, they're going to be talking about how they would have beat University of Utah and how they would have done this and how they would have done that. But the truth is the game didn't happen, and University of Utah fans are going to push back, and it's just going to add to the rivalry, and it's going to add to a lot of different things. It's kind of fun. Right.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, though. I think this was the year the streak would have stopped.
2: (laughs) Dude, is this? This is kind of how this is. This is almost exactly.
1: See, and, and
2: I'm I'm seasoned to you, PK. You can't do this to me because this is what you did to Max Hall, and then Max Hall was like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> exactly how you got him to break down in an emotional moment, and then you, and then, and then. And then he, I mean, he said something for the ages, and I'm not going to give you that. I'm not going to give it to you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh. mental toughness, Metal Dude, toughness. I, 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 All right, I, I agree with the guy, and he,
2: and he unloads on me. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: Dude, you know, you know who I feel the worst for? I feel the worst for Jackie because I can't even imagine the circular argument that takes place with you from time to time. <laughs> Like, oh, I was agreeing with you. What are you talking about? And she's like, "Am I in Bizarro World? Like, this is seriously Bizarro World." <laughs> hey, she, is
0: actually, she is actually, she has actually texted me during the show when he starts pulling stuff on me on the show that he does at home. I've literally gotten the text. He does this at home
2: all the time. <laughs> oh, jeez. I mean, it's, you know, you have to be cool, calm, and collected around PK. I mean, I almost have to do breathing techniques before this segment. You know, just make sure I I got my clarity of thought going on. All and right. with all my, my CTE, it can be hard, you know.
0: Now, Riley, as long as we've talked about Mrs. Kenahan, let's talk about Mrs. Jensen in the video <laughs> that is right? sweeping social media. <laughs> and to be clear, because I believe you're about to be convicted and you will do time for this. The good thing is your wife was there, and she knows. But that's not you screaming on the video after the monster no. tree, which I think was like a 40- or 50-footer, but in the retelling of the story is now a 300-foot Sequoia Redwood. <laughs> For sure. It comes For crashing sure. down in the street and just brushes the back of her van, and you hear, I got it! I got it on video! But that wasn't yeah, you, yeah. right?
2: That wasn't that wasn't me. That was my that was my neighbor, Greg Newbold. I'm gonna I'm gonna chuck him under the bus because he wants video credit, and <laughs> Greg Greg did a great job of filming it. Although he 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 did he did call me and apologize when he sent me the video. He's like he's like hey, by the way, like that all happened so fast. I didn't even notice the car until like maybe like ten seconds later. So he's like, I'm so sorry, but I wanted to send you this film because this is crazy. This is is crazy, but yeah, it's like a 40, 50 foot spruce, and who knows what happened. And my wife said, you know, I asked her. I said, did you did you see it coming? And she's like, No, I didn't. And she goes, honestly, me and my friend Rachel, her friend Rachel was driving the car with her. She goes, we think that if we would have noticed the tree. That our natural instinct would have been to stop, and that 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 it just would have fallen on us. But it was up on a hill a little bit, so it was kind of out of their peripheral vision. And then all they heard were the pine needles scraping the back of the car. (laughs) That's what they heard. And she looked back and she goes, "I'm not even kidding you, right? Like road closed. As soon as that tree fell down, she's like." And, and all they were doing was going to, going to check on our kids up at up at the elementary school to to because the power was out and they were just going to go make sure everything was all right. So it, 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 next time when I you know when when something like that happens, I'm going to hey let's just stay home, you know, unless we need to go out, <laughs> unless we need to. <laughs> but it was pretty crazy. Yeah. You, you can check it out, at Riley Jensen, on,
0: on Twitter. I just retweeted it right now while you were talking so people can find it pretty quickly.
2: I had to go well, through your
0: feed. You've been posting a lot lately.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I have a trampoline fly up over two fences in a tree and into my front yard without doing any damage. I have no idea how that trampoline didn't break everything on the way. I mean, it, and and my story is just one of hundreds of stories. I think they estimated there's over 1,000 big trees down from the storm. It was it was crazy on Tuesday. It was crazy. We, we didn't get a whole lot
1: of damage out here in Sandy, but uh, the neighbors' trees, uh, leaves, and branches and whatnot, more branches. So I went and picked them up in the backyard yesterday, and I noticed that my barbecue cover is gone. I can't find it.
2: Well, you know, PK, <laughs> when, you, when, when you cheer for the Lord's team like you do, and you do – good things on and off the field, like, I mean, good things are going to happen to you. You don't have trampolines flying. It's just barbecue covers. But I lost a
1: barbecue cover. But, but that that is I am team.
2: That is absolutely
1: team. convinced that uh, the Sun Devils would have kicked the crap out of BYU.
2: Sun Devils? I thought, I thought you were for the Lord's team, not the Devil's team. What's going on with you? Well, why that would you the... bring
1: them up? <laughs> because Herm Edwards is a Christian. I,
2: you know what? I, I love me some Herm Edwards, though. You know and, what's disappointing? is that, that You didn't believe in him when he got hired there. Uh, and now I, still you do, do. I still don't. Now you've come all the way around. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know he can go 7-5 because I've seen everybody go 7-5. and five. But this <laughs> week I had planned to go down to Vegas. I have personal reasons to be in Vegas a fair amount of time. So I was going to be down there this weekend, and I was going to watch – Uh, ASU and UNLV, and I was going to go to the post game and get some comments about, because next week ASU was supposed to be playing BYU. And you're right about all this stuff, about not being there, not being able to have it happen. It's just, it's so disappointing in that way. I'm glad BYU's playing, and, you know, we'll take whatever we can get, and that's why I'm not going to crack on their schedule because – any game is better than no game and Tom Homo had to do what he did and did a fine job in uh, dire circumstances that literally would probably only be the once in his lifetime. But yeah, just to be able to have that schedule that they had, it, it, it's disappointing to not have these games being played.
2: Well, especially if they continue to play this well, like if they if they continue to dominate, I think everybody's just going to be like, oh, what could have been what could have been. But I agree with you. I'm I'm just happy there's games. There's games for me to watch. It helps me to feel normal for a few hours on a, on a Monday night. Like like life is is back to normal.
0: Well, at so. least you can you can watch them. Some of us still don't have electricity. So how about that?
2: Oh oh. We got we got told <laughs> last
0: night. You'll have it tomorrow night or or soon thereafter.
2: <laughs> so <I> left the <laughs> door sure, open there. I'm sure PK has power. I'm sure his house is fine because he he does the right things, right, PK? Oh yeah, my uh, at uh, my apartment, we're fine. <laughs> As opposed to DJ's mansion, is that what you're trying to say? Oh yeah, so
1: he's it? got one portion of the estate where he doesn't have power. What <laughs> <he'll> do you <laughs> do?
2: Dude, Jeez. sorry, DJ. I had to. I had to set him up with that. I had to. <laughs>
0: Okay, but the albino alligators are, are pretty hungry, so don't come over and try to wade through the moat again. Okay, <laughs> there'll be trouble. Trouble. Actually, I got to anchor tonight, so I'll just watch the game at work, so I'll be covered there. But uh, my wife's like, you got to go take a look at where the power lines attached to the house, and they're attached to this uh, piece of wood, and it is dangling from the side of the house, so.
1: Well, make sure you touch the wire then, too. Well,
0: it's dead right now, (laughs) but down the line, that could be a problem, yeah. Yeah, duh. I won't won't be fixing that. it's
2: dead right now, someone else could be later.
0: (laughs) All right, Riley. We appreciate it. Thanks, as always. Thanks, guys. That was fun. All right, there's Riley Jensen, our college football insider. You want to see those trampoline videos and the tree tipping over, you can go to my Twitter feed, David DJ James. Go to Riley's, at Riley Jensen. And uh, they're there. DJ and PK, it's 975 and 1280 the zone.
2: This party started uh, <laughs>
3: This is Hans Olson and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network.
1: Angela Lansbury, bed knobs and broomsticks. It wasn't raining yet, but it was definitely a little misty on that warm November night. And my heart was pounding. My inner voice resounding, begging me to turn away. And then you casually walked in the room, and I was twisted in the web of my desire for you. What the hell is that? (laughs) That is being blindsided. You guys all make fun of me like I'm the only person that had a crush on Angela Lansbury. You are the only person that, that had is, a crush on Angela. That Lansbury. is not true. No, it is it's pretty much true.
3: Hanson Scotty, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. <laughs>
0: DJ P.K., it's 97.5, 80 the zone. And P.K., put a poll up. The NFL's kicking off tonight. It's the Chiefs and the Texans. NBC's got the game. NFL kicks off tonight. Are you watching, or have the politics turned you off? I'm in. I'm out. No middle ground. So that's up. We have less than 100 votes. We'll see how that goes. If people say they're out but are they really out? I guess we can check the ratings tomorrow and see if this game comes up. You know, it's, sports ought to do, uh, do well in primetime now because the primetime shows haven't been shooting. They're not launching the new season as expected. And for whatever overlap there is, that's less competition. I mean, I'm not sure that there's complete overlap, but there's probably some. That ought to help. It's the only new programming out there.
3: And it's the NFL. I don't don't know about that.
1: I don't pay attention to to all that other stuff anyway, so I can't answer that. I'll have to take your word for it. But to me, I don't know how you're not in on Mahomes. This guy is so wildly talented, He is
0: such a show.
1: And uh, I I would think here, you know, uh, locally with the Andy Reid situation, it seems like the BYU folk anyway, which there's obviously uh, so many of them in our area that, you know, they went from – you know, the Niners, when I first got here with Steve Young doing his thing, and then over to Philly because they had Andy Reid. Now you got Sorensen and uh, Andy Reid doing their thing in KC. And uh, who's to say, Andy Reid, what I think he's like 62, 63 years old, and he has indicated a desire to continue to do this. And we've seen dynasties in the NFL crop up right we've had them and so suppose he wins two or three more well then he goes down as top two or three top five for sure all-time coach
0: well he's been coaching a long time so he's already built up the the wins and the longevity you need to get into that kind of discussion so now the question is can he put the championships on it because he's only been to the Super Bowl twice He's won it once. And I say only. That's a huge accomplishment. But if you are going to be discussed among the all-timers, over here in this generation we got Belichick, who's been nine times and won six, right? So that's off the charts. But if you get into a place where you've won two or three titles, you're getting into rarefied air. Right. Bill Walsh won three. Uh, Jimmy Johnson won two. Uh, Who else is sitting on there? Chuck Knoll has four. Parcells has a couple. uh, And he went to a third.
1: Um, So Parcells is the greatest coach of all time. I don't see how you can argue that. Well, Belichick. Well, yeah, but there is no Belichick without Parcells.
0: Aha! So he gets all credit for all of his wins and the coaching tree, all of these wins.
1: Well, yeah, exactly. Yes, that's who Parcells is. There's a reason why he's godfather.
0: Andy Reid's sitting on 207 wins all time. That puts 250 as 43 wins. At the rate they're going, that's like four more seasons. He's, he turned 62 in March. So if he coaches four more years, uh, 250 wins well,
1: is possible. I'll just say this. He's not the only one who's getting four more years. Oh, I
0: see what you did there. You're feeling it. <laughs> Uh, the 207 wins Andy Reid has, has him tied for sixth all-time. And the 250 number is where Tom Landry finished, and that would put him fourth all-time behind Don Shula, George Halas, and Bill Belichick.
1: Well, you get 300 wins, you're automatically going to the Hall of Fame. That's, that's a proven number.
0: <laughs> Don Shula and George Halas, two guys ever. I think
1: Randy Johnson's got him.
0: Different thing, you know. I see what you're doing there. Look at you, man. You're just, you're just like, squirrel, butterfly, shiny thing.
1: Politics, baseball, a magic football. Just, squirrel. <laughs> rainbow. Uh, things are a little heavy. <laughs> so, speaking of Andy Reid, that things are a little heavy.
0: Ah, uh, really?
1: <laughs> squirrel. <laughs> so, uh, that's another reason to be in, especially around here. Everybody loves Andy Reid. You know, he's going to be a hell of a coach at BYU one day. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. So, Mahomes is so exciting to watch. Mahomes that, is How awesome. do you not watch him, man? You know, and we we get this at Channel 2. You know, what
0: games are you guys going to show? And literally, I can tell you, I have no idea. You know, I I, I know... When CBS announces them and there's a website that puts them out that everybody can check. And I usually tweet links out to it. Uh, but I did look at their schedules because we're getting, we're getting a lot of Raider fans emailing. Now it may be every Raider fan in the state, but we're getting a lot of Raider fans emailing. Well, now that they're in Vegas, they're the local team. You're going to show more of their games. No, they'd be the local team. If they were in Salt Lake city, <laughs> they're not the local team in Vegas. Now I get they're your, the
1: localist team.
0: They're local right. And so, uh, So CBS gets televised 27 games a year. And I checked, you know, with all the primetime stuff now, because Fox has Thursday night games, NBC has Sunday night games, you got the Monday games on ESPN, and you get usually two crossover games a year. They put a little wiggle into this. It can go to three now, actually. But two Sunday games that Denver plays, or anybody plays, could end up over on Fox. Even if it's two AFC teams playing, they can now switch networks to kind of balance their schedules. So I looked, and as the schedule stand right now, Channel 2 can show only 11 of the 16 Bronco games. And we're going to televise 27 games. So even if we take every Bronco game, and we didn't last year, we didn't get every Bronco game assigned last year. There is a God. Right? Um,
1: Well, well,
4: DJ's the man that picks them all.
0: If only. If only.
1: And he thinks he's God. Just work, go to Channel 2 when he's not there. Yeah.
0: We can have 10 uh, Raider games and 9 Chief games. The 7 Chief games are off on Primetime and other networks. Why do you hate carrying Raiders games? We don't hate carrying Raiders games. (laughs) But thank you. I did look at the two Bronco Raider games. Neither one of them has been uh, shoved off on another network yet. So, if I have the 27, if I had to circle two that would definitely end up on TV, I would think that those usually are, would end up on KU TV. I'm yeah. watching
1: them all, man, because I got the NFL tickets. You got the ticket, baby. And this morning, in my personal email, I got a letter from, it says, Patrick, this is an email, Patrick, every season signifies hope and optimism in our favorite teams and players as they compete, their chance to get to the playoffs. And this will be the Super Bowl And Tampa Bay, our 101st season, will undoubtedly be filled with high scoring, blah, 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 blah. And it goes on. and talks about COVID and all the stuff and the heroes of first responders. And it's signed by Roger Goodell. Oh, you got a letter from Roger. Thank you for being a football fan, for your unwavering support and showing your pride and dedication to your favorite teams and players. I hope you enjoy a great NFL season now just hours away. Roger Goodell and do you it's think signed he, do Roger you think, Goodell.
0: Do you think he even read it? Roger? Yeah, a PR person wrote it.
1: I think he wrote the freaking thing. No. And he signed this individually. Who's naive K? And he said peace PS. Thanks for the support, PK.
0: <laughs> Good one. PK or Patrick?
1: Well, he said officially it was Patrick at the top, but at the bottom he got a little personal. <laughs> In the PS. See what I'm saying? You're yeah. making stuff up. No, I yeah. got it. I can forward it to you. It's right here. I got this letter. It came in my my box at seven forty six this morning.
0: And it says thanks, PK, at the end.
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, maybe not. But he would have if he would have had time. He's so busy.
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The NFL kicks off tonight. Are you watching or have the politics turned you off? We've got people voting. It's up on my Twitter feed. David DJ James. I'm in, I'm out. We'll tell you about that next. Also, got the sports columnist for the Kansas City Star about to join us to talk about tonight's opener and the champs facing the Texans. We'll get to that next.
3: Stay with us. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go. We'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 975, 1280 the Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ PK, it's 975 and 1280 the zone. We're joined now by Vahi Gregorian, sports columnist for the Kansas City Star. Vahi, good morning.
4: Good morning, guys. How you doing?
0: Good. How fired up are Chief fans for the start of this season? I'm used to seeing Arrowhead on TV packed, and obviously that can't happen, but they're defending Super Bowl champs, and this, this fan base has been fired up for teams that weren't nearly this talented.
4: Well, you know, that's true. It's kind of funny. It's a change of pace, right? First time in 50 years, they've got something to defend. So, um, and, and yet, as you noted, can't go to the game. I mean, 17,000 people roughly will be at the game, but that's not really going to be the arrowhead experience that most people are used to, obviously in person or on TV. So, you know, our gauge of the excitement is a little funny too, because it's basically through social media and and what we might observe around town, as opposed to being around people. But uh, it's a very uh, impassioned fan base it's finally been rewarded. It's pretty exciting. I think it's a bit of an oasis for everybody in the country to have the NFL season start. Um, I, I, you know, I'm crossing my fingers they can pull it off for the long haul here with all the nonsense and and chaos of caused by the COVID virus. So let's let's just see. But at least we get a game tonight.
1: So. Injuries in the NFL and uh, all of football, obviously, and even other sports can be the great equalizer. But aside from injuries, which I know you can't really say it, but nevertheless, for argument's sake, what could derail the Chiefs from getting back this year?
4: Well, that's a good question. I mean, look, every every game, every season has its own, own personality, for lack of a better term, right? So, you know, the Chiefs had a – I I, I think are thought of as a resounding Super Bowl champion, but let's remember that they had to overcome double-digit deficits in each of the postseason games last year. Um, The defense was a little leaky first half of the season, and I'm not sure they've really solved the running game yet. Now, the NFL is not you know, a a league right now where people are going to say, well, we think they're... Deficiency is run defense, so we're going to run 45 times. It just doesn't really seem to happen that way. But at some point, somebody's going to develop a book on the only way to beat the Chiefs is this. And they're just going to have to try things like that. Um, but their offense arguably could be better because uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the rookie out of LSU, really fits the skill sets that Andy Reid is looking for in the backfield. Um and now, granted, you know, it might take him a few games to, to get ready, but I, I, I think those are the things. And right now, one other point to just note, in the first four games, they'll be a little thin at cornerback because of uh, Rashad Breeland's four-game suspension. So I, I do think, though, that the Chief, it's the Chiefs against the field. I mean, I, I, I feel like the Chiefs are the team to beat.
0: You talk about uh, you know, it'll take a few games to get everything figured out. As far as winning the division, I'm, I'm looking at a bunch of predictions that think the Chiefs will be the only team in the division with a winning record. So is it really just 16 games to play for seeding and get things ironed out for the playoffs?
4: Well, there's a lot of ways to look at that. But here we go. With look, Just look at their first four or five games. Now, I, I, they're not all in the division, obviously, but I think Houston's pretty stout. I think the Chiefs will win at home against Houston. Then they're out there at the Chargers, probably. I, I figure the Chiefs to win that. But then they're at Baltimore, um, and soon thereafter, they've got New England here at home. And we don't know what New England really is now. But, you know, I, I, I sort of look at the Chiefs as a 13-3, and 12-4 type of team. But it could be a team that loses a couple of these first five, six games, especially because for all the continuity the Chiefs have, there's an element of uncertainty that, I guess, you can make a case we've never seen before um, in the NFL with no, no preseason games, right? No, the acclimation points are so much different. So it's just hard to know that. Um, but if you look at how everything's played out the last few years and where, where things are right now with uh, the defending Super Bowl champions, I, I, I think that, that we have every reason to think they'll win the division handily.
1: So you look at Mahomes, he's a stud. You look at that receiving core. Individually, they've got studs, so collectively, certainly, they're studs. You brought up the Hilaire kid, the running back. Why do you think that he's such a good fit?
4: Um, he can do, he kind of can do it all. I mean, Andy Reid likes, likes his back to catch the ball. He's almost as dynamic out of the backfield with the, with the passing game as, as a runner. Very shifty, very quick. A uh, little undersized, which uh, is sort of a uh, going back a ways with Andy has kind of been a thing he seems to have liked in his running backs. I, I think makes them a little different kind of target, a little different center of balance. Um, he's got some real burst. Um, I, I just think he's, he's the prototype of what Andy wants in that position.
0: So as you uh, look at the Chiefs, there's all the physical stuff, and then there's a thing that once you get to the mountaintop, how does that impact the psychology of the team? They'd been so close the year before, and the Patriots got them in the AFC title game in a classic, a thriller, overtime, and all that. So that was probably driving them. But now they've been to the mountaintop. Do they have that same drive? Has it changed the team's mojo? Or in the coronavirus times, is that impossible to know because you're just not around them in the same way?
4: Well, I guess – you know, you'd have to say it's impossible to know in a certain sense, right? But if you look at all the leading indicators, uh, Mahomes' mindset, who and the consistency that Andy Reid has, uh, the stability he provides, the culture he's created, um, all the people they have back, um, I don't think Patrick Mahomes will allow anybody to be complacent, and I, I think that spreads throughout the room. So – you know, it's a rarity to repeat. I mean, it's been, whatever, 15 years. Um, so there, there's no way to know. But I tend to look at this as more like the four-minute mile being broken and, and sort of psychologically opening up uh, things for the Chiefs as opposed to, uh, you know, some kind of exhale or, uh, or you know, okay, now we've done it. I, I think Andy Reid's going to win a couple more Super Bowls. Um, and I, I, you know – He's, he's still pretty young yet. I guess he's sixty-two. I don't think Andy's retiring uh, unless something, you know, untoward comes up, for another seven, eight, nine years at least, uh, in my opinion. And I think he'll end up being one of the, the top three, four coaches ever. He's close to that now.
1: What makes him so great?
4: I I really think it's that he coaches for the right reasons, and it sounds kind of hokey, right? But he, um he is in it to bring out the best in others. That's who he is as a person. Um, and it, it absolutely translates into how he is as a coach. Um, I know some of his assistants don't like the term player coach because it makes it sound like you're getting away with murder. And so I'll resist that term. I think the point is that he's a nurturing guy who, um, whose people skills are, are kind of unparalleled. Um, again, he's, it's not that visible in a lot of ways because he's very uh, close to the vest when he's when he's uh, in the public eye. But um, he does a lot for people behind the scenes, and he certainly does a lot to bring things together behind the scenes for his team too. And he's very creative.
0: Vahe Gregorian, he is a sports columnist for the Kansas City Star. We know you got to run. We appreciate a few minutes this morning. Thanks for coming on.
4: Okay, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, Kansas City, season opener. It's the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Houston Texans. And uh, as Vahi said, it's been a long time since anyone repeated. The 2003 and 2004 seasons, the Patriots went back-to-back. Uh, they'd also won in 2002, so it was three titles in four years. But back-to-back, those would have been the 2004 and 2005 Super Bowls. So it's been a pretty good run, a decade and a half, PK. And it looks like the Chiefs are as well set up as anybody but you never know.
1: No, you don't. When the when the Giants barely scrape into the playoffs and the Patriots are undefeated and the Giants find a way to beat them, that literally isn't anything-can-happen type situation.
0: And, of course, the Patriots were very close to a three-peat here in 2017, 18, and 19, but they lost the middle Super Bowl to the Eagles, 41-33. Won the year before with a comeback against Atlanta and then uh, beat the Rams. So it's been close maybe the Chiefs will be the team that does it. It's been a decade and a half.
1: Okay, if I gave you the Chiefs and I take everybody else, who do you think wins?
0: Are we talking AFC to go to the Super Bowl or to win it all? No, win it it all. All? Super
1: Bowl. Super Bowl. I got to say,
0: given those options, I would prefer the field. Yeah. Uh, But I will say that this is as close as I've been in a long time (laughs) to thinking... Yeah, why not take the Chiefs? And I think part of it is, even though the Patriots just had this great run, and even if you don't like them, you, you got to respect what they've done and kind of be in awe of what they've done. I just think that part of the reason we're so into the Chiefs is there isn't a clear number two in the AFC. You know, you go back even a few years, well, the Steelers were a threat, right? And certainly the Ravens and the Patriots had some good playoff games. Um, if you go back to when Manning was playing, the Broncos were a threat. But then since then, they haven't been. So there's been an elite level in the AFC. And you knew the Patriots had to get through that before they got to the Super Bowl. But if I said, give me another elite team in the AFC, I think most people go to the Ravens. And they are 0-2 in the playoffs the last two years. They haven't even won a playoff game. And maybe with a young quarterback, he'll come into his own. And you know now that he's been there, it'll be a different deal. And sure, that could all be true when we get there. But just, I mean, some of these divisions, you look at them, there's nobody in the AFC East who screams, we're really good. And maybe they will be when they get there. But not sitting here right now. The Dolphins, the Bills, the Jets, the Patriots, eh. And I think when you look at the AFC South, you think the same thing. You don't like Houston? No. No, You don't like them at all? Like them? Sure, I like them as like if you said – Houston, are they, li- are they likely to be a playoff team? And I would say more likely than not, yes, Houston will be a playoff team. But to be an elite team, to have a big-time wide receiver and basically give him away for reasons that still aren't clear to me other than the coach didn't like him, I don't, I don't see you as a Super Bowl-level team. You've got to be so dynamic in the NFL. And to give away a dynamic skill player like that, it blows my
1: mind. Oh Yeah, but, I mean, they got back David Johnson, who had his moment, if he can recapture that. He's you know, fairly decent. Sure. Uh, yeah. Rivers pulling a Manning and going I, to the Colts.
0: I, um, You know, does everything come together? The problem is Phillip Rivers has been a turnover machine his whole uh, career, and I think that, again, that's a team I can absolutely see in the playoffs. Phillip Rivers has quarterbacked plenty of playoff teams, but I've never really thought they had a, that he's had a Super Bowl-level performance at any point. I, I would go back to... So he's due. <laughs> I would go back to, I have more faith in Watson than in Rivers in those big game moments. I don't think Houston's ever quite had the team. I don't think it's on Watson coming up short. And, you know, sometimes there is addition by subtraction. And maybe, you know, we see the highlights and the stats, but behind the scenes, maybe removing a guy, hey, maybe there's some level of genius to this that we don't get. It doesn't look like it on talent, but chemistry... It, it matters, and it's the ultimate team sport and all that. And I do think that uh, you know Watson, if, if a quarterback is going to stand uh, toe-to-toe, then why not Watson, right? I mean, I think the Chiefs have the best quarterback in the game, so I don't really think anyone can go toe-to-toe. But there's a short list of guys who might, if Roethlisberger has his health back, maybe Pittsburgh kid, but I mean, Roethlisberger getting old and coming off arm surgery, I don't, I don't know about that. Um, You know, if Seattle has really got the team around Wilson, that's a quarterback you could bet on. You could bet on Watson. Um, So I don't, I don't, that's why I think the field, you know, one of these, it could come together in Houston or in Seattle or in Pittsburgh or in Baltimore. So that's why I take the field over Kansas City. But, man, Kansas City's awfully good. (laughs) You know, if the field's a 60% chance, Kansas City, yeah, I could say Kansas City's 40. So you'd still take the field. Uh, Normally I wouldn't even give a team a 40% chance. But there doesn't seem to be that obvious depth in the AFC right now. But, you know, it's uh, one of those deals where we've been six or eight weeks into the season and said even now we can't pick the Super Bowl team. So there's plenty of time for some team to come together and a couple of rookie or second-year guys to break out.
1: I bet you Kirstie Alley's a big uh, Kansas City Chiefs fan. You know, she was born in Wichita, Kansas. Did you know that? <laughs> I did not. Why are you, you, want, why are you, you telling to... me about Kirstie Alley? Because this is so bizarre. Her father was named Robert Alley, and her first husband was named Robert Alley.
0: That is weird. I don't <laughs> know what it has to do with this radio segment, but. Kansas,
1: right okay. next there. The Chiefs are on the border, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> is that on the air, Lloyd? Lloyd, come on! <laughs>
0: The tone was what made it. It's not what you said. The tone was a little disturbing, quite frankly. He said daddy issues. For who? Me or or? Kirstie? I think for Kirsty because of the same name thing. But he said it in this low, kind That's of really creepy That's really weird, though, wouldn't you say voice. I know. It is. It's very odd. It's yeah. very odd.
1: So I'd put that out there before we go to break. All
0: right. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.